I'm so excited to initiate this series, Spirit, Soul, and Body. I, I believe with all of my heart it will be one of the most powerful teachings that you've ever entered into. You know, I, I can't express the importance of this series. You know, so many Christians uh, you know, do not know uh, how to differentiate between their spirit and their soul, uh, not understanding uh, that we are created in the very image of God in the context of our spirit, but our soul is in the process of being saved. Our spirit containing the very life of God, the love of God, the faith of God, the, the, the wisdom of God, the heart of God, the victory of God, but then our soul being a vehicle of our spirit, uh, consisting of our mind, our emotions, our personality, our willpower, and of course, uh, our, our soul and our, our, is in our bodies. And so in essence, we are, we are a spirit. If you've been born again, you are a spirit created in the image of God who is spirit. And you have a soul. Uh, and your soul, again, consists of your mind, emotions, personality, and willpower. And you live in a body. And I know that might sound strange to you, but that's the reality uh, of God's order. And it's the most amazing reality because it will cause you to walk in a victory that... I tell you what, I'm just jumping in here with both feet because God wants to communicate so much to us. I mean, I'm here to tell you that if you enter in to the revelation of who you are, you will never again be the same. And I don't care how mature you are as a Christian. I tell you what, there is so much more to enter into. I believe God's going to be talking to us forever uh, through this book and the, regarding the revelation of who we are in Christ. I tell you, it'll be something that I tell you, we're going to be growing in it for eternity. I, but this session, I believe, is we're going to start out with fireworks, and uh, there's just nothing better, praise God, than entering in to focusing on the reality of who we are. You know, the two most important questions in life really are, is, you know, before you get saved, the answers to these questions get you saved are, who am I? And, you know, where am I going? What am I called to do? What's my destiny? And these are the questions that lead us to salvation. And, you know, uh, the devil do everything he can to, to really enter in to negating the reality of God's order regarding these questions being answered. He'll do the best he can both to uh, negate the, the truth of you being created in the image of God through his lies. You know, there are so many people that really believe that they are their own God. Recently, in a Gallup survey in uh, the state of California in the United States, when asked the question, who is God? Over 50% of the people responded by saying that they were God. You see, they were substituting a false identity for the true identity that God had given them, not entering into the true identity. There are a lot of people that they've entered into buying the lie that they are not created in the image of God. They are simply uh, animals, uh, you know, that have evolved over, over a period of time. They're sophisticated animals. And you know that they believe this, I think, in part so they can live like an animal. Some of them believe this because this is what they've been taught and they don't know any better. But I'm here to tell you something. You're not your own God and you certainly aren't an animal that has evolved. You are somebody that's created in the image of God. Now, 
Oh, I tell you, I can't help but just, just tell this. And I love a good joke. I love good humor. And uh, this, I believe, this is a true story. But, uh, it, oh, I tell you, I just can't help but share it with you. Praise God. A little girl came home from a Sunday school class. She was all excited because she had been learning about Adam and Eve. And she had been taught that because she accepted Jesus that she, she was a child of God. And, you know, she shared that with his, her mother who was a Christian. And they just rejoiced together in the reality of God creating Adam and Eve and you know, them being, hallelujah, you know, those who have been created in the image of God. Well, she went into the next room and her dad was there and he is an agnostic and he just shut down everything. Uh, she said, he said, honey, in reality, we're no more than sophisticated animals. He, he said, in reality, your great, great, great grandfather, you know, was a monkey and, uh, you know, and went on and on and said, your aunts and uncles are nothing but monkeys that have, you know, have evolved. And she went back to her mom and she was, she was, you know, you can understand she was, you know, you know, she was disconcerted by what she heard, and she she said, "Mom, what's going on? You know, why did Daddy say that?" She just said, "Honey, I was talking about our side of the family, and he was talking about his side of the family." Hallelujah! I don't know about you. I want to talk about God's side of the family because we're created in the image of God. Now, I need you to see something. When you walk in the reality of who you are, no one can stop you. I, I tell you, you will never again be the same. But when you get outside of walking in the reality of who you are because you're not in the word enough, you know, the Bible says in James chapter one, that when we look into the perfect law of liberty, it, which is the word of God, it is like a mirror unto us. So in reality, the word of God, the Bible is a mirror that causes you to see yourself in praise God. See, it, it causes us to see God almighty as he is. Hallelujah. Praise God, negating all religious uh, perceptions. But it also causes us to see ourselves as we are. But also too often what happens is we, we enter into the word of God when we're first saved. We get excited about it. We, we see who we are. We're a child of God. You know, uh, John 1.12 says to them who received him, to them he gave the, the right to become the, the children of God. We're excited. We're walking in the light of that um, image that we see in the mirror. But then whether it's in, in busyness, lackadaisicalness in our humanness or, or just in getting caught up in the battle and the diversions of life sometimes, we, we don't look at the mirror. And the Bible says in James chapter 1, we then begin to forget who we are. But I'm here to tell you something. We need to rekindle afresh the reality of who we are so we can walk in our destiny accordingly. Uh, hallelujah. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1 to, to start out. I, I tell you, like I said, this initial session, I, I'm so excited about it. Honestly, I'm like a, a kid in the candy store. I, honestly, if I could communicate anything to anybody, I would communicate this reality. Because the Bible says in Proverbs, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And when you walk in the reality of who you really are in Christ, there's no one that can stop you. I tell you, in any way, shape, or form, praise God. Genesis 1.26, God said, hallelujah, boy, I like that. God said, let us make man in our image. Now there's a, a tense there, that's singular, plural. It's in a, a Hebrew tense that we don't even have it in our English language, which conveys Trinity. But it says, God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Hallelujah. And let us give them dominion over the fish of the sea and goes on to say over every, everything that's on the earth. Now, when you read that, I don't know what it does to you, but it, it sure it sure excites me. You know, I'm asked so often, uh, 
you know, what is man in, in relation to angels? Is he below angels, equal to angels, higher than angels? Most people believe that man is lower than angels. But I'm here to tell you something. Man is infinitely higher than angels. You see, uh, an animal has a soul and a body, does not have a spirit, uh, but has a soul. I mean, animals uh, have a personality, willpower, emotions, a mind. And an angel, he has a, uh, an angel has a spirit, but nothing like the spirit like under man. There's no angel that has a desire to cry, Abba. Oh, glory to God. You see, man is made in the likeness and image of God. Now, I want you to see two other things in the book of Genesis. And I tell you, they'll just, oh, man, they'll, they'll get you shouting. Uh, Genesis 2, 7, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now, what I want you to see is this. Man became a living being. Hallelujah. Not through creation, but impartation. You see, prior to man being created, uh, his body being created through the dust of the, the ground, God fashioning him therein, God spoke everything into existence. I mean, he spoke the, the stars into existence, the trees, the land, uh, the, the water, everything that came into existence, he spoke into existence. But yet when it came to man, he, he did not speak man into existence. He created man's body out of the dust of the earth but then he did not create man's spirit. He literally breathed a part of his own spirit into man. Thus man primarily is not a being of creation, but a being of impartation, being literally a child of the Most High God, a child of Adonai. Glory to Jesus. Now, what is the balance? The balance is this. I mean, you're not omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient you're not a little god but relationally you're a child of god you're in the realm of god relationally again not in the context of being omnipresent omnipotent omniscient but you are literally in the realm of god relationally because he created you in his very own image and his very own likeness. Now, many times people will degrade, they will minimize this verses 2-7 because what they do is they compare it to carnal things rather than to spiritual things. I'll tell you this, the best Bible commentary that you have, uh, hallelujah, you know, you know, the best Bible commentary that you have is the Bible. Because scripture interprets scripture. Well, I'm going to give you a verse in Genesis 5, 2. If you have your Bible, just flip over with me. And this verse will interpret scripture. And it will negate the minimization of religious spirits and religious people that try to negate the reality of us being created in the image of God. The Bible says in, in Genesis 5, 2, male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day that they were created. And now it goes on to say Adam lived 130 years and began a son. Now listen to this. And he begat a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. Now I want you to think with me. When you think of Seth, what do you think of? Well, certainly you think of Adam. You think of Seth being much like Adam. Because he was created in both the image and likeness of Adam. Now what I want you to understand is this. God purposed, purposely used the same terminology 
of Genesis 2-7 regarding Seth and Adam that he used, hallelujah, regarding Adam and God himself because he did not want in any way to give us the ability to minimize what image and likeness entailed. Hallelujah. I like to put it this way. As Seth was made in the likeness and image of Adam, Adam was made in the likeness and image of Almighty God. Hallelujah. And I tell you, just for uh, another verse oh, that, that I love so much in Luke chapter 338, in the context of the genealogies, you never thought there was going to be much in the genealogies, did you? But there is, praise God. It goes through the whole genealogy of man. Praise God. And I'll pick it up with uh, verse uh, 37. It says, uh, who was the son of Methuselah, who was the son of Enoch, who was the son of Jared, who was the son of Meliel, who was the son of Canaan, who was the son of Enos, who was the son of Seth, who was the son of Adam, who was the son of God. Wow. If that doesn't preach, nothing will. You see, Luke 3.38 in part in, is part and parcel of Genesis 1.26, Genesis 2.7, and Genesis 5.2. Even as Seth was created in the likeness and image of Adam, Adam, mankind, was created in the likeness and image of God Almighty. Thus man relationally is in the same realm of God, Adonai. Again, not omnipresent, not omniscient, not omnipotent, not a little God, but relationally in the very same realm as God Almighty. I tell you, if you ever get the revelation of it, it'll change your life forever. Glory to God. Now, now what I want us to understand is that as we enter into this reality, it, it does something to us, praise God. That, uh, that to me is just simply amazing. It is simply amazing. Uh, it causes us to enter in to now being in a whole different realm. For example, if you thought that you were below angels, that, that you were a slave, you would act like it. But if you uh, thought that you were equal with an angel, you would act like that. Well, how do you act when you find out that you're made in the image and likeness of Almighty God? What does that do for you? What does that do to you? You see, there are two main laws in the context of man being a being of, of uh, impartation. The first law is the, the law of likeness. You see, to be able to be intimate with somebody, you have to enter into being like that person in spirit. Oneness is completely correlative. Intimacy, uh, another name for oneness, is completely correlative to your being spirit, the same as that person. You see, God Almighty, according to John 4, 23 and 24, is spirit. When he imparted, uh, uh, oh, glory to God, uh, 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 part of his own being to man, man being a being of impartation, a literal child of God, man was now spirit. But man exchanged his spirit for solical life, which we're going to talk about in another session. And man went from being a spirit being, lacking unto God, having oneness, oh, glory to God, being, oh, glory to God. Just being like God in the, relationally to now being in a place where he was a solical being, 
a mind-dominated being, an emotionally dominated being, and that's where most of mankind is today. So very simply, Adam and Eve forfeited, exchanged the very spirit that enabled them to have intimacy with God. The very spirit that enabled them to be made in the likeness of God, giving them the potential to enter into intimacy with God in a profound way for solical life. And I'm here to tell you this. Jesus Christ has breathed into you, according to Genesis 2-7, the very essence of his being. But when we sinned, and we all sinned in Adam, we all would have sinned in the garden. You might have stayed there a minute longer than me. I may have stayed there a minute longer than you. But we all would have sinned. And we all have sinned. And the Bible teaches us that when we sin, we died. But God, in his infinite grace and mercy, to the praise and glory of his grace, sent his only begotten son and Jesus came willingly. And he was birthed supernaturally through the Holy Ghost inside Mary. He lived a perfect life, hallelujah. And he entered into a death on Calvary's tree that gave God Almighty the right to breathe into us again. I tell people all the time, two of the most revelatory scriptures in all the word of God are Genesis 2-7 and John 20-22. In Genesis 2-7, we see where God literally breathed into Adam, hallelujah, glory to God, causing him to being a literal child of God, becoming spirit like an unto God who is spirit and, and unto fulfilling the, the law of likeness and, and to the full potential of intimacy. But in John 20, 22, we see that after the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the first thing he does is this. He goes unto the apostles and he, he glory to God. He, he encounters them and he breathes on them. Does that remind you of something? He breathes into them just like he did in Genesis 2, 7 and said unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. And they received a born again spirit supernaturally created by the Spirit of God Himself, according to John 3, 3, 5, 7, 8, and 9. And I tell you, it, the, the revelation, the, the glory of this revelation cannot be underestimated. It just it's, is simply immeasurable in the context of both its glory and its magnificence and its power. You see, when we enter in to the reality of who we are, we will never again be the same. I tell people all the time, I say inside of you, if you're born again, you have a seed of greatness because you have the seed of the living God. Hallelujah. Let's read it this way from 1 John 3, 8 and 9. I tell you, these verses are so powerful. And I'm going to enter into these verses in a way that you may have never had them taught before, but we have to do them justice. So we're going to enter into them the right way. 1 John 3, 8 and 9, the Bible says this, He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sins from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now it goes on to say this, Whosoever is born of God, hallelujah, whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed, God's image, remains in him. 
And he cannot sin because he has the image of God. He is born of God. And the seed, the nature, the Amplified says, the divine sperm remains permanently within him. Now somebody that is religious or somebody that is ignorant hears that, you know, that we have the very seed of God accentuated in the Amplified by the, the divine sperm and, and says that's blasphemous, that, that, that's untrue, that can't be. But I'm here to tell you this. The Bible is not blasphemous, but it is equally not religious. And when the Amplified says we've been born of the divine seed of God, divine sperm of God. You see, sperm simply contains the essence of someone's being. It contains the seed of, oh, glory to God. And that seed contains the essence of someone's being. And in the Bible says in First Peter that we've been born again of incorruptible seed. We have been born again, hallelujah, of a seed. And intrinsic to that seed is the very life, nature, image, of God, that which was breathed into Adam in Genesis 2-7, that which was breathed again into the apostles in John 20-22, and that which is breathed into every man and woman of God who is born again, according to John 3-3-5-7-8-9, unto us now entering into the pure milk of the word, which enables that seed, praise God, to grow, grow, and grow, hallelujah, until we enter into mature food, hallelujah, which causes our that seed to grow more and more, us being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Now, if you say, wow, you say, wow, I tell you what, I'm with you because I'm saying wow too. My friend, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, God just not, does not adopt us as children in the sense of, of, of him being in one realm and us being in another. God causes us through the blood of Jesus Christ to become his literal children. Now, I am all for adoption in the natural. My wife and I helped direct the crisis pregnancy center. We, we've started, it was in our own home for seven years. It's been in existence for 26 years. And uh, we see over 600 girls a year. And adoption is a daily uh, interaction with us. But I'm here to tell you this. That glory to Jesus. You have literally oh, been breathed into. Unto the impartation of the seed of God. And intrinsic to that seed is the very being and essence of God himself. Again, the balance being, you're not omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. You're not a little God, it's, but relationally, because you're literally a child of God. You're in the realm of God. And you have a right, you have a reality of intimacy with God that is so infinite, immeasurable, that the Bible says that even as the Father is in the Son, and the Son and the Father, so we are in Him, according to John 17, 21. Again, it doesn't mean that you're likened unto God as a God, but you're likened unto Him as a child of God, relationally. You see, so often people shy away from this subject because they're so afraid that people are going to get the out of balance, but you can't be afraid of the truth because someone will, uh, will take it out of balance. You try, you present, hallelujah, the truth, and then you negate imbalance by sharing of it, praise God. But, uh, oh, hallelujah, I wasn't planning on doing this the first session, but let me share this with you. You see, so often I, I, I ask people, I'll say, when God Almighty 
when he looks at you, what does he see? And most Christians say to me, well, they see a, a worm. Uh, they, they see a sinner saved by grace. I've had so many people say to me, well, they see the blood of Jesus. Because if God ever saw me as horrendous as I am, as evil as I am, having a heart that's deceitfully wicked, as filthy as I am, you know, he would not be able to look at me at all. So he sees the blood. I'm here to tell you something. God does not see you as a worm. He does not see you as a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner, you've been saved by grace, but now you're the righteousness of God in Christ. And I want to tell you something else. When he looks at you, he does not see the blood. He sees what the blood has created. It's one thing to be evil and filthy, deceitfully wicked, and have that covered. But it's another thing, hallelujah, to have the evil taken away and then in his place, a new spirit lacking unto the spirit of God, hallelujah, being who you now are, a new creation in Christ, the righteousness of God in Christ. No, you're not a worm. You're not a sinner. Paul wrote to the saints at Colossus. Paul wrote to the saints at Rome. And you're not somebody that's mm, unlookable. You're not somebody that God cannot stand to look at in reality. So it has to cover you with the blood. No, I tell you, mm, Jesus, in the Old Testament, the blood of bulls and goats covered and sin was atoned for. But now, praise God, you have been redeemed, hallelujah, and you're no longer covered. You're a new creation in Christ. What does God Almighty see when he looks at you? He sees himself. He sees himself because he looks upon the heart. He does not look upon your soul. He does not look upon your physical flesh. I don't believe God even knows if you're black, white, yellow, red, woman, male. In, in one sense, of course, in one sense he does. But in another sense, I don't think he does because he sees the heart. See, the Bible says in 1 Samuel, man looketh upon the outward, but God looketh upon the heart. He sees the heart. He sees the part of you that's born again. In essence, when God Almighty looks at you, he sees himself. Because you, through your born-again spirit, are the image and likeness of the living God. Now, I don't know what that does to you, but you see, it does everything to me. Because, you see, when you're first saved, this reality is just, praise God, it's in front of you. But when the trials of life come and the, the enemy's strategy and busyness and lackadaisicalness and oppression and all that stuff. Again, what happens is, see, you see that Satan tries to stand in front of the mirror. He tries to cause that trial, that, that, that financial burden, that, that sickness, that whatever. And then he tries to put it right in between you and the mirror. And when you start looking at that trial, that circumstance, that weakness, that inability, rather than the mirror, you begin to identify yourself with the trial, with the circumstance, rather than who you are, what you see in the mirror. I I've said this already and I'll say it again. Satan is all about identity theft. He's all about identity theft. He will do his best 
to negate the reality of who you are, to steal your identity so you don't walk in it. Because he knows as you walk in it, he is a defeated foe and there's nothing that he can do about it. Glory to Jesus. Now at this time, what I want to do, I want to play for you two testimonies. Uh, and they're testimonies shared in the words of David Hogan, a famous missionary, a missionary to different Indian tribes in Central and South America primarily. And he shares of a leper uh, whose ears have basically fallen off. His nose has fallen off. He's in the last stages of leprosy. He's, he's about to die. He has no toes. He has no fingers. And how God supernaturally, through his creative power, glory to God, restores this man. And then I'm going to share with you right after that testimony, praise God, of a testimony of a little baby born without eyes. Her, her mother, praise God, sharing of how these eyes came into being as she proclaimed the goodness of God. One of the greatest uh, testimonies I believe that you'll ever hear as Mida Kelton shares and then her and Mida is, is with the Lord now, but her daughter uh, Marquita uh, then will share as well. It's, it's awesome. But as you listen to these testimonies, I believe that there's two things that you're going to get from them. One, you're gonna, your faith is going to be increased as you sh hear the testimony of God and, and the power of God. But I'm sharing these primarily that you might enter in to seeing how these testimonies, these creative miracles are profoundly analogous to the new birth and to your life right now as a Christian. So I want you to take the utmost care in listening to these testimonies, both with reverence and awe, but also with excitement, but also in regards to knowledge of entering in the scene, how they, they relate to you and how the miracles of both this leper and, and this little baby, how they are so correlative to your own life as a Christian in the context of the new birth. Again, I, I believe that, I tell you, I have to preface this because it means so much to me. They're so life-changing. And I want you to enter in just, just in fullness. And again, I believe that as you listen uh, to these testimonies, that your life will, will never again be the same. That fella looked me right just dead in the eyeballs. He said, you know me, Brother David. You led me to the Lord yourself. Wait a minute. You know, I don't really, I'm not real good with names, but I'm real good with faces. I've never seen you in my lifetime. He said, yes, sir. <sighs> no, you haven't. He just said, yes, you have. Who are you? He said, I am the man that used to be the leper. <gasps> I said, I know you. He said, I told you. <laughs> Guess what Jesus had the nerve to do? He never asked my permission either. I mean, I had said to him, be cleansed in the name of Jesus. That's one thing. But oh, Jesus went much farther than that. He restored him. The man had a brand new two-week-old nose. 
So I grabbed it. Wow, a brand new dough. He had two brand new ears. So I grabbed those ears. He had 10 brand new fingers. So I grabbed those fingers. He had 10 brand new toes. So I got to hold all those toes. He had created a new man. He had thunked leprosy and he had given the man new skin and new Fingers and toes. Now then, I'm going to ask you a serious question. Do you see what's wrong with me now? Do you understand a little better? What's wrong with me is that my friend is serious and he's real and his name is Jesus. And he means business. Seven weeks old, the very day she was seven weeks old, and I didn't know that was God's perfect number then, mm -hmm. that I prepared to give her bath, and I had the towels and blankets spread out on my kitchen table, and uh, it was almost, I felt almost like the day I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God came so strong. It was just an awesome presence of God, and... Uh, I said, oh God, is this the day you're gonna do it? And I said, oh, and I felt so, such a joy in me. I said, this is the day you're gonna make my baby's eyes. And so I picked her up. I had her partly undressed to, get, to give her a bath. And I picked her up and held her in my arms. And as I did, it, it felt like that God encircled me and my baby in his arms. Mm -hmm. The way that my husband often came with it felt just that strong. And the awesome, awesome power of God came on me. I never can put it in words, but it was overwhelming. And I, my knees began to tremble up. You know, our, our human flesh isn't made to stand the power of God. That's right. And it was so powerful. I was afraid I was going to fall, and I didn't want to hurt my baby, so I laid her back on the table. And when I laid her down, her eyelids opened and there was those beautiful brown eyes. Oh! Oh! <laughs> well, the daughter is with us, Martita Clevenger, and Martita, the brown eyes are still there. Do they work okay? They work great. I even <laughs> These testimonies have touched my life in a way that I honestly, I, I can't tell you honestly what, what they've done for me. They, they've changed my life in such a way. Uh, just recently, when I say recently, I mean about a year ago, uh, David Hogan spoke at a meeting that our church helped sponsor, and I had the privilege to have lunch with him. And uh, we were sharing of different miracles. But I, I know that as we were sharing of different miracles that have taken place in his ministry, uh, the, this testimony of the leper was something that was life-changing to him as well. You know, when you experience uh, the power of God, when you're involved in a miracle where the power of God is realized, it can't help but change your life. 
and the testimony of Mida Kelton and, uh, and of Marquita. I, I tell you, I've listened to those testimonies time after time. And never have I listened to them one time that they have not changed my life, even revolutionized my life because of the glory of the power that, that was realized in them, praise God. Now, I had you listen to these testimonies and I'm so thankful for them. Again, to increase your faith in general, but most of all, so that you can identify with what took place in these lives. You say, well, I didn't have leprosy, so how could I identify with a leper? I didn't, you know, I wasn't born without eyes. How can I identify with Amida and Marquita Kelton? Here's what I want you to say. You were very much like the leper. I was very much like the leper. And we were born without eyes. You see, Jesus said this. If you think you see then you'll never enter into salvation. But if in humility you acknowledge that you are blind without eyes, then you predispose yourself. You set yourself up, praise God, for a miracle, even of salvation. You see, that leper could not have been helped by medical science. As blessed as medical science is, it can only do so much. That precious baby in no way could have gained eyes in any other matter except through a miracle. See, what I want you to understand is this. The Bible says that we were without hope, destitute, in our sins, hell bound for eternity. Nobody could save us in the context of humanity. And you certainly, and I certainly could not have saved ourselves. We certainly could not have saved ourselves. Even though this is what religion says that we can do. I want to tell you something. Religion might be able to give an artificial limb, but it can in no wise give a genuine spirit. Glory to God. Religion says that you can be accepted by God in the flesh. But God says... In the flesh, no man will glory before me. You see, we were in an impossible situation, according to truth. We were in a situation where there was no way out. But God made a way through the blood of his son. Hallelujah. You see, when you were born again, hallelujah, God took out of you, according to Ephesians 2, 1 to 4, the evil within you. The evil heart, the heart of stone, according to the book of Ezekiel. And that was supernatural enough. But after he negated your sinfulness, your iniquity, he then imparted unto you and unto me, supernaturally, creatively, a brand new spirit, likened unto the spirit, to the heart of the living God. Wow. You see, when I think of that leper, I know that he's in a village in South America right now. And he is, man, he is a walking miracle. And he is walking as a miracle. He is talking as a miracle. He is living as a miracle. He is testifying to all that will listen that he is a miracle. And that anybody can enter in to the miraculous 
working of God if they will only humble themselves and believe. I mean, do you think that this leper thinks he's special? Man, I, you better believe he does. Glory to God. I tell you, when I hear uh, Marquita Kelton, you know, she said it was her favorite bedtime story every night. And I tell you, it, I tell you, when Marquita Kelton gets up in the morning, do you not think that she goes and looks in the mirror and says, wow. <laughs> and I don't care if she's 45, 55, 65, every day of her life, I tell you, she can't pass a mirror without looking into it. Can I tell you this? That's how God wants you and I to be. God is spirit. We now have the spirit of God, the heart of God. And we need, hallelujah, we need to be in this word day and night. Every time you pass your Bible, you just need to sneak a peek. Hallelujah. And say, "Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. I am a miracle. I have been given a spirit created by the Holy Spirit in a profoundly supernatural way. A greater miracle than even what the leper experienced. A greater miracle than what even Marquita Kelton experienced. Glory to Jesus. See, you're never going to enter in to walking like you're supposed to until you see yourself as the miracle that you are. I'm going to say that again. You are never going to walk as you are supposed to in life unless you see yourself as the miracle that you are. Praise God. Hallelujah. There's something special about you. There's something miraculous about you. There's something magnificent about you. There's something precious about you. There's something glorious about you. Man, when God looks at you, what does he see? He sees a miracle. He sees himself. Wow. He sees a literal child of his. And you see, what we have lost, you see, in the book of Galatians, the Bible says, as you receive Christ, walk ye therein. See, again, so often what happens, we're excited when we accept Christ because everything is new. Second Corinthians 5, 17. I mean, you become a new creation according to Colossians 1. I mean, you praise God, you've entered, entered into a new kingdom. You went from a kingdom of darkness to a kingdom of light. So man, I tell you what, you're in a new kingdom. You got, you're a new creation. I, I mean, you've gone from darkness to light. I mean, it, it's easy to identify with newness, with, with the miraculous, and with glory. But again, the enemy comes in to steal your identity. And we minimize looking at the mirror, the perfect law of liberty. We lose sight of who God is and who he is to us. We lose sight of who we are and who we are to him. And instead of walking in the image of the miracle, we now begin to gravitate and we begin to walk according to the image of the world. You see, that's why Jesus implores us in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And I say Jesus, see somebody says, well, Paul wrote the book of Romans, but Jesus wrote everything. Someone says, well, I only read the words in red. Every word in your Bible's in red. Praise God, because it's written by God himself, by the Holy Ghost. But God said in Romans 12, 1 and 2, be not, uh, hallelujah, be not conformed. Now listen to this. Be not conformed to the image, mm, Jesus, of the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Hallelujah, that you might prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. You see, 
and we're going to talk about this in, a, in, a, in a, I believe our third session so much about the image. Oh, Jesus, there's so much there. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. But I want you to see this. As you walk in the reality of the image, cultivating the image, I'm going to tell you something. You will enter into a glory that eyes not seen, ears not heard, neither entered into the heart of man, but that which is being revealed by the Spirit, praise God, day after day. Glory to Jesus. Now, I want you to see a, a few different things in the context of uh, being spirit. And again, it's, it's all about being spirit. As I said prior, uh, you know, God is spirit. John 4, 23, 24. He's the father of spirits. And, and that's where the life is at. You know, in Galatians 5, 16, it says, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I believe that's twofold. I believe it entails walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, but I also believe it entails walking in the reality of the spirit realm. Praise God. You know, in 2 Kings, it tells us that after Gehazi was judged and Elisha had a new servant, that uh, the new servant woke up early in the morning and uh, he went out and he saw that they were surrounded by a myriad of chariots uh, and uh, armed men that were, I mean, just tens of thousands of warriors that were going to kill them. Because Elijah had been disclosing what he saw in the spirit that the king of Israel, so the king of Syria, every time he went to uh, fight against Israel, they would know the plans of the king because e Elijah saw it in the spirit. So when the king found out what was going on, he, he was going to behead, to, to kill the, this man and his servant. So the servant, he being new on the job, Gehazi, he being the Gehazi's replacement, now goes unto Elijah and says, my master. You know, we're going to be destroyed. And amazingly, uh, Elisha says this. Open up his eyes that he might see the truth. And, when it's that, and the truth is this. Those who are with us are more than those who are against us. Now, when the young man probably heard Elisha say this, he said, you know, what on earth is he thinking? There's two of us and there's tens of thousands of armed warriors. How can two be greater than tens of thousands? But when the man's eyes were opened, he saw into the spirit realm, Galatians 5, 16, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. You see, prior to his eyes being opened and seeing into the spirit realm, he was filled with fear. He was filled with dismay and he was filled with a bad report and he lost hope. But when he, his eyes were opened and he saw the spirit realm, the flesh, the dismay, the unbelief, the fear, the hopelessness left, and now he's not fulfilling those desires. He's entering into the reality of faith and hope and victory. Hallelujah. Walk in the spirit, the Holy Spirit, and walk in the spirit, the reality. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Of who you are in Christ, of your born again spirit. Of God who is spirit. Hallelujah. All right. Now with all that said, I want you to see a few things. I want you to see this, first of all. I want you to see that prior to the new birth, the Holy Spirit could indwell no one. The Holy Spirit, according to John 16, could be with somebody who uh, believed, 
but he could never indwell them. So in the Old Testament, he came upon people, but never indwelt anyone. And as a result, when someone died prior to the blood of Jesus being shed, they went to a place called paradise, that which is synonymous with Abraham's bosom. And they waited there until the blood was shed on their behalf because they could not enter into the direct presence of God Hallelujah. Without the blood being shed because a born again spirit could not be realized within them without the blood first being shed. And the Bible says in Ephesians 4 that after Jesus shed his blood, rose from the dead, hallelujah, oh glory to God, even before he rose from the dead, that he went into paradise after he went into hell and, and destroyed the devil. I mean, just made a mockery of him, praise God. He went into paradise preached to the spirits in prison, in paradise, got them all born again and led captivity captive, praise God, to heaven. Boy, what a sight that must have been. Wow, glory to God. But you see now, praise God, and incidentally, this is what Jesus said, you know, you have to get new wineskins, praise God, if you're going to enter in to the new covenant. Because you see, the Holy Spirit could not dwell in old wineskins. He could only dwell in that which was perfect. The Holy Spirit is profoundly holy, and he is spirit. Listen to me right now. Since the anointing so strong. And you see, he could only indwell being the holy spirit. He could only indwell that which was holy and perfect. He could only indwell that which was spirit. He could not indwell flesh. He could not indwell soul. He could only indwell that which was holy. And perfect like himself. That which was spirit of which he was. Hallelujah. And praise God. That's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 17. He was joined to the Lord as one spirit with him. Praise God. You see, the Holy Spirit is now in us, glory to God. And he is our grace, our victory. He is the greater one within us. He is our life, even as he is the spirit of life. He, he is our victory. Hallelujah. And he is the one who causes us to reign in life, even through Christ Jesus. Praise God. You see, when you start to understand the dynamics of the new birth, when you start to understand that you are spirit, then, then scripture becomes, the, it really becomes the light. It, becomes, it just makes more sense because now you have a foundation to relate it to. You have a cornerstone, if you would, a plumb line to relate the scriptures to. And everything relates, praise God, to the new birth. Everything relates to the spirit of God indwelling your born again spirit. Because this is indeed the foundation of life, praise God. It, it, oh, glory to God. It's what Jesus came to redeem us unto. Hallelujah. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Glory to God. All right. Now, with that said, I, I want to share a few more truths with you, if you can stand it. I mean, there's so many things we've shared. I, I mean, I think I've given you enough meat to chew on for, for months, praise God, and, and, and what we've all just went over, praise God. But what I, I want to share with you is this. Here's what's so exciting. When you know who you are, you will then enter in to acting according, praise God, to the DNA that you have, praise God. And what I mean by that is this. So often, we get a hold of a scripture, we get excited about it. 
but then we lose the revelation of that scripture or in trying to being a doer of that scripture of that word. We don't seem to hold up. Because the devil comes against us, and we're, and we're going to talk about this in depth next session, but he comes against us with circumstances, trials. And what happens is we lose sight of who we are, and we begin to identify ourselves with the trial, with the weakness, with a religious mindset. And then what happens is that we enter in to bowing down to another image Instead of proclaiming and living for the image that we are. Let me give you an example of that in the natural. Uh, when I was teaching many years ago, we, we befriended a young couple and uh, they had a, a young boy. And his, his name was David. His mother's name was Maureen. I remember one time uh, she came over to our house and uh, he was only uh, seven years old at the time. And... Uh, he was tested by a psychologist in the local school system because he just seemed to be, you know, heads and shoulders above the rest of his uh, second grade class. And uh, she came over and she was all smiles. And we said, Maureen, well, what's the good report? We see where you're smiling. She said, well, I just talked to the psychologist who tested David. And he said, your son can be anything he wants to be. He is uh, profoundly gifted, IQ about 155. And he can do anything he wants to do. Now he's grown up and he's in the field of robotics and he is doing pretty much what he wants to do. But uh, you see, it was amazing when she got that report. Because now she had in black and white on paper who her son was, praise God. Hallelujah. Now I'm here to tell you this. You've got on paper in black and white who you are, glory to God. Hallelujah, that black and white paper are the pages of your Bible. And it says that you have the seed of greatness within you. It says you've got the faith of God within your spirit. It says you've got the love of God within your spirit. Romans 5, 5, the, the faith of God in your spirit. Galatians 2, 20. It says the spirit of God himself is in your spirit. Wow. You've got the blueprint of your DNA. Glory to God. And as we behold this and cultivate this, I tell you, you're never again going to be the same. Let me share two scenarios with you. I believe you can relate to these and, and then we're going, to, we're going to close, praise God. Well, I'll share a few more things and we'll close. I tell you, there's so much in honesty in what I'm sharing. I, I, honestly, I feel like if I, I keep on sharing, I might blow up. I mean, I just, my, I, oh, Jesus, this is so powerful. Glory to God. We can only take so much at a time. And that's why we do one session at a time. But uh, two young men, uh, one young man, uh, his dad was a doctor. His grandfather was a doctor. And uh, when he was in uh, college in his uh, senior year, they uh, assumed that he was going to be a doctor. And, and he, he wanted to be a doctor. And, and he tried. He took his, uh, you know, his med cats, his MCATs. He took his, all the tests. And you know what? It just, he got into med school. But it was such a struggle and such a burden that he had to drop out. You see, he was an intelligent young man, a very precious young man. But he just didn't have the DNA in him to be a doctor like his dad and his grandfather. It just wasn't there. No matter how hard he tried, all it breeded was frustration and condemnation. And the best thing that happened was when he dropped out and accepted the reality that this just was not who he was. 
Now, another young man, uh, he took his MCATs and went to med school, and certainly he had to study, and it was difficult at times. But he became a very successful doctor. Now, what's the difference between these two young men? One's not better than the other. Uh, one didn't try harder than another. Another didn't like medicine more than another. One simply had the ability within him, and another didn't. See, I'm here to tell you this. Religion doesn't give you the ability to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Effort in religiosity does not give you the ability to enter in to the image of Jesus Christ. The only thing that can give you the image of Jesus Christ is the new birth through the blood of Jesus Christ. And here's the good news. When we enter in to being born again, and we begin to see the reality of the image that we're created in, we begin to see, praise God, that we will be that doctor. Because you see, the faith of God's in us. The love of God's in us. We can do what God has commanded us to do. It's not an obligation. It's not burdensome. It's joy. And I tell you what, we have the privilege to be conformed to the image of Jesus and to give our God, our King, hallelujah, glory and honor and praise and eternal fruit. I tell you, there's nothing like it. In essence, you know, before you were saved, the devil did everything he could to get you not to be saved. I mean, he came against you with lies. He came against you with, you know, that, you know, that there is no God. He came against you with, you know, that, you know, it, wouldn't it be better just to enter into intellectualism? Wouldn't it be better to enter into humanism? Wouldn't it be better to enter into sin? Wouldn't it be enter, better to enter into this? But you got saved, praise God, if you're born again. And you see, now the devil, he can't keep you from being saved because you are saved. But what he does is to keep you from seeing what you now have in your born-again saved state. Just like he tried to keep salvation from you before you got saved, he now does his best to cloud, to negate the reality of the image that you are now made in through the new birth. Because he knows if you ever get a hold of the image, you will reign in this life through Jesus Christ. I want to close with this verse. I love it so much. Galatians chapter 4. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, please turn there with me. If not, you can listen. But it's so awesome because it capsulizes that which we're saying. It says this in Galatians chapter 4 verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differs nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem us that were under the law, that we might receive the reality of sonship. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of a son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, whereunto there are no more servants, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Now what this is saying is this. It's giving the analogy of Bible times where a king ha has, a, has, a, has a child. And a child is maybe eight, nine years old. And he has no idea of the royalty that he has been birthed into. 
So accordingly, he's no different than a servant. He does not, he's not cognizant of his authority, of his rights and privileges. And he really differs than, than no one else. But when he enters into the cognizance and the reality that he is royalty, that his dad's going to be stepping down soon and he's going to be king. Hallelujah. He then will reign in life as the Bible says in Romans 5. Hallelujah. You see, you can be born again, created in the very image of God. But like this king's son, if you don't enter into the reality of it through the revelation of the word of God, through right teaching and fighting for it and standing in it, you'll differ no, no more than a servant. You'll just be like the world. And isn't that like so many Christians? You can't tell their lives apart from the world. They struggle with pornography like anybody else. They struggle with sickness like anybody else. They struggle with selfishness like anybody else. They're not sure of eternity like most people. They're not walking according to who they are. I'm here to tell you this as we initiate our first session. In spirit, soul, and body, I want you to know something. You are like him. You are like him. Relationally, you are in the realm of God as his literal son. Again, not a little God, not omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent. But you are like God in that you are made in his image and likeness. Even as Seth was made in the likeness of Adam, Adam was made in the likeness of God, an image of God. And as you enter into that reality, you will see the miracle that you are. You will walk in profound appreciation for that miracle and thankfulness. You will walk as somebody that's so set apart, so special, so favored. And you will live to give glory to the one that created you anew to the creative power of his being. And you will live to give testimony of its reality and so that others may come into the kingdom as you have. Is there anything greater than finding out that you are the son of the king? Is there anything greater than finding out who you are and what your destiny is? Is there anything greater than understanding that when God looks at you, he doesn't see a servant. He doesn't see a worm. He doesn't see a sinner. He sees himself. He sees himself. And as you walk in the light of this, through the mirror given to you, you will surely be like that leper that David Hogan shared about. You'll surely be like Marquita Kelton. Every day you can't wait to look in the mirror. Wow. Wow. Look what's happening now. Wow. Glory to Jesus. You will never again be the same. And you will walk in this newness every day of your life. And it will grow stronger and stronger. You will grow brighter and brighter. You'll enter into a greater glory every day. And you will live to become spirit more spirit to be conformed to the image of Jesus. We're going to talk about that more in our ensuing sessions. But as we close today, I want to let you know something. 
You are a miracle of infinite proportions. Glory to God. Don't let anyone talk you out of it. Keep looking in the mirror to see the miracle that you are. And as you do that, you will walk in the truth and glory of the miraculous. For the same God who created you in the miraculous and caused you to be spirit is the same God that will cause you to live in the miraculous and live in the spirit. I just got to say that one more time. I want to close with this. The same God who created you through the miraculous and caused you to be spirit is the same God that will cause you to live in the miraculous and to live in the spirit.